there, welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Today's interview guest is ESPN's Sarah Spain, who just became a member of the Chicago Red Stars ownership group. We've had some great guests lately, including Jason Kreiss, Ian Joy, and Crystal Dunn. I also encourage you to check out my podcast series, American Prodigy, The Freddie Adu Story. All eight episodes are out, and you can binge all of them to your heart's content. Now, here's my interview with Sarah Spain. The Chicago Red Stars faced the Houston Dash on April 9th in the opening game of the NWSL Challenge Cup. And our guest now is the terrific Sarah Spain of ESPN, who recently made news in the soccer world by becoming one of the owners of the Chicago Red Stars. Sarah, congratulations and thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm like really part of your soccer world now instead of just, you know, adjacent. <laughs> it's great to have you. We're actually, it's kind of a series now of NWSL owners or investors who've been on my podcast because mm-hmm. my high school friend, uh, Angie Long and her husband, Chris, actually are the owners yeah. of the new team in Kansas KC. City, uh, which I'm very I've excited about. I've heard such about. good things about them. Oh, yeah. And and you're here on the show. We've had Merritt Paulson, the Portland owner, on the show. We've had Julie Foudy, who's uh, now an L.A. owner, uh, on the show. It's a growing group of, of public figures, actually, here. But I, I want to start with the obvious questions how did this ownership opportunity come about and why soccer? Why did you want to do it? couple pieces there. So most people have probably heard that Abby Wambach gave a speech at the ESPYs alongside Peyton Manning and Kobe Bryant. They all retired at the same time. She felt very honored. She walked off the stage and thought to herself, oh, now I have to figure out what my second career is. And she looked over at the two men next to her and thought they don't have to figure it out. They're set for life financially opportunities with advertisements and sponsors and everything else. And it's different for me, despite spending the same amount of years and sweat and time and love and passion and being one of the greatest ever at what I did. She told that in a speech at Barnard and then had a riff on it um, in a Time's Up meeting early on in Time's Up. And Natalie Portman was one of the co-creators of Time's Up. She was at that dinner. She heard Abby speak and got really mad about it. And thought about her own parallels in the movie industry and entertainment, but also felt like there should be this option for ownership or power after having achieved as much as Abby did. And they started talking, how could they change this? And one of those was to change the face of of ownership and the highest levels of sport. And the best way to change diversity in sport is to start at the top, which has been sort of unattainable for so many because you always imagine this like one you know, top hat monocle old white dude that has money from like oil or something that has the ability to do this. So they put together Angel City FC, the expansion team ownership group, and sort of lit the sports world on fire, at least on the women's side in particular, with the idea of, oh, you could get a bunch of interested parties who all put together money and are able to do this instead of needing to individually be able to fund a professional team. And Abby had written in her book, Wolfpack, you know, if they don't offer you a seat at the table, screw their table and build your own table, which is what this feels like. It's right. It's not just let me let me ask for a spot. It's let me create a whole new way of doing it. And so I was watching that from afar. 
I got a message from Julie Foudy, who you mentioned, who is somehow miraculously one of the greatest soccer players of all time and a Hall of Famer and amazing, and also my friend. So when my friend says, I'm going to own a soccer team, I'm like, wait, we can do that, even though I am not the same as Julie Foudy. But in my head, I was like, we can do that? Because um, we both work at ESPN, and and she's become a friend. And so after hearing her, I'm, I'm paying attention to it and thinking how cool it is. And I had been a fan of the Red Stars for a while. In fact, a couple years ago, I had gone to games and loved them so much and thought more people should go and experience it and give it a shot and they would realize how much they would love it. And so I just randomly on social media was like, all right, everybody, I'm throwing a party. Buy your own soccer game tickets and then come early before the game. I'll have all your beer and pizza and Malort. It's all on me. I just want everyone to come party with me and see what a great thing this is. And so the Red Stars caught wind and, okay, well, we'll partner with you and let's see how we can put together something fun. So I had met the owner once before, but hung out with him again, did some Malort shots, you know, got to know him a little better. So fast forward to this past fall when he's looking over at Angel City and some of the other opportunities around the league and he wants to put together a capital raise and actually reached out to me. Now, I think I also manifested it because I had talked to Abby Wambach and Glennon Doyle on my podcast and been like, well, I'm going to be an owner. That sounds cool. Right. So I'm putting it out in the universe in case anyone's listening, Um, sort of believing it, but also like. I have no idea what it takes or how the team sees me. So when Arnhem, the majority owner, reached out, um, I was instantly in. But first, you know, go to my financial advisor. Is this feasible? Can I do this? Um, And then, yeah, we've been in meetings for months now. So it really went pretty fast from that initial offer to like, "I'm I'm on board. Let's do this. I mean, around the NWSL, we're seeing this trend of public figures becoming investors in the ownership groups of different teams. Uh, You mentioned L.A., Serena Williams, a bunch of other former national team players, Naomi Osaka with North Carolina, Chelsea Clinton and another group with Washington Spirit. And, you know, you in, in Chicago, what do you see happening right now in the NWSL that's that's causing this sort of beyond what you mentioned about about Abby Wambach and and other folks. For me, I absolutely can guarantee that if the Red Stars came to me about ownership and I hadn't seen Angel City, I just wouldn't have known what to say. Okay. I, I for me because I am risk averse because I've never invested in anything. I would have said I want to put my money where my mouth is, but I don't even know what this looks like, and I'm kind of scared. And what's the model? And and is this right for me? But because I saw this group so full forcedly and wholeheartedly becoming a part of this, it felt like it provided an entire league with a safety net of great interest from people who have the ability to make it bigger to build on what it already is, and to really, like I said, put our money where our mouths are. I've spent a lot of time in my career criticizing owners or criticizing leagues for not applying the same model to women's sports as they would to any other business, right? Like you look at a startup or any other business, and it's a ton of investing early on without a lot of return because you know that you have to build and create something that people are into. And with women's sports, we don't do that. We compare the WNBA to the NBA, despite it being decades and decades and decades of nostalgia and history and time Mm -hmm. and publicity. A lot of people don't know that early on NBA games where you'll hear about these amazing, you know, scoring efforts from Wilt Chamberlain or people like that. There was no one there. 
They used to have to bill NBA games as the second half of a college doubleheader and hope that people who wanted to go to the college game would stick around and check out this NBA thing. We don't hear about the past like that. It is romanticized to seem as though it has been the thing since it was birthed. And so when we look at nascent women's leagues and we demand that they immediately perform as well as the men's versions, it's to ignore all of society, all of the built-in misogyny that's caked into women playing athletics, and also the lack of investment. You can't give guys 10 bucks and women one and then be like, why isn't your business growing? We gave you one-tenth of every, you know, it's so, um, to know that there were people without not only financial means, but the cool factor and the connections and the drive to make this what we believe it can be and to be a reflection of looking at the U.S. Women's National Team and the women's soccer team in the U.S. being beyond sport. I mean, you look at Alex Morgan, Abby Wambach, Megan Rapino, all these players. I have friends who don't care a lick about sports. My one friend, I asked her the last sporting event she went to, and she was like, does Taylor Swift at the United Center count? I was like, no. <laughs> She's like, then I don't remember. And she wants to go to these soccer games with me because she fell in love with the team watching the World Cup and the Olympics and the statements that they made politically outside of sport. So you look at all that and you're like, we need to build on this and we need to build on it in a meaningful way, not the ways we've always done it before, where we add a little bit, hoping that it you know, builds off of the World Cup or something. So looking around, I think all these different women and some men in these investment groups are saying this feels like a massive pivot point and not to let it go by. Before we move any further, I need to remind our listeners or remember, I guess, that they may not know what Malort is. Uh, maybe they're not <laughs> Chicago folks. What Lucky is Malort? Them. <laughs> um, Malort is a liquor that, based on what I've read, originated in Chicago during Prohibition that they were able to slip past as a cure for PMS-related cramps and pains. Um, it. Uh, the, it's by Carl Jepsen Company, but I like to say Carly Rae Jepsen's Malort. Um, <laughs> and it um, it's terrible. It's uh, made of it's like wormwood is the main ingredient. And so they actually changed the recipe a couple years ago. Um, so it's not as bad as it used to be. But there is something called Malort face, which is you drink it. And then about 15 to 20 seconds after you say it's not that bad, all of a sudden your whole face contorts into like the equivalent of a puckered butthole. And you realize that your life is close to ending. Um, some of the taglines from Malort are Malort punch your face in the balls. Um, <laughs> Malort tonight I fight my dad. Um, there's a lot of them. Uh, it's it's sort of embraced for how bad it is and that it's ours. Makes you want to go to Chicago. That's all I can say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know you had the NWSL commissioner Lisa Baird on your podcast recently. What have you learned about her and what have you observed her doing with this league in the year that she's been in charge? Well, I have to say from those around the league, especially people like Arnhem, who have been around for 13 years now in the women's professional soccer world, he was around before the latest iteration. Um, the Red Stars are the oldest and winning as they were around even before this NWSL version of pro women's soccer. So for him, he has nothing but amazing things to say about the way she came in and handled this like a like a true business league commissioner job that needed a whole lot of overhaul. The biz, the position was actually ab, um, empty for three years before she took right. over too. So there were other people in power, but for there to be this this very desperately needed um, 
leadership. Um, I think it's it's been pretty clear from the moment she arrived in terms of major sponsor deals, television deals, um, the way that she's working with but changing the relationship with U.S. soccer, where they should not be the management for a for-profit sports league. They should be a partner and a friend, but different goals for a federation versus a professional league. Um, so I love talking to her. Um, and I was grateful because uh, if anyone's wondering if I'm going to change my journalistic approach because of my involvement, then go listen to that because I was asking about <laughs> lack of transparency with Deloy Hansen and what are they what can they tell us about Sacramento? And I don't think the anthem should be played. And I'm sure she was like, oh, I thought this was going to be a nice a nice back and forth with one of the new owners. Um but um, I, I like her a lot, and I love her background. It's a really fast. I mean, it's from NPR to yeah. Paralympics to, um, you know, Procter & Gamble and all that stuff. So um, I think she brings a really smart business mind, a real passion for sports, and enough of the – I think it's hard in women's sports to balance the obvious, the obvious desire to grow and build something that's a cause in your heart because of the very nature of what it is, but understanding it's not a cause, it's a business. And if you too often treat it as something that's just about inspiring little girls or just about the feelings you get from it instead of understanding this is how you run a business, this is how you grow it, this is how you get people to come and think it's cool and awesome and fierce and not just inspirational, um, makes a big difference. I think she has a good grasp on that. Now, the Red Stars have some great players. Julie Ertz, Mal Pugh has joined, Alyssa Nair, Casey Kruger, Sarah Gordon, Tierna Davidson, Morgan Gotrat, and many others. But you haven't won an NWSL title yet. What's it going to take to get there? Thank you for reminding me. Um, and also thank you for pointing out the Red Stars do have the most national team players of any team in the league. And that's why they should be your NWSL team. Um Man, it's been so close, right? I think it's six straight seasons in the semis. So continued success year after year being the best among the best and getting over that last hump. I anticipate that first meeting with the Dash will be quite fiery. Um, I think a lot of people felt like that was the Red Stars title. And the Dash came out of nowhere and didn't deserve it. And it should have been the Red Stars. So um, what puts us over the top? One thing I hope, and I've, I I don't know how much it matters in terms of their everyday performance, because obviously these women have been performing at an elite level regardless. But I do hope this new ownership group provides things that just make it easier for them to focus on soccer. And yeah. we've got a couple NFL players, uh, former in Israel Adonage and current in Michael Schofield, who are talking to Arnhem and the rest of us about the importance of things like a full-time nutritionist and a concierge and things that you think, well, when I was 20 and I moved to a new city, no one was a concierge to me. But yeah, but we don't care. We want these women who arrive from wherever to focus on the soccer. And if mm-hmm. that concierge person who works as a team assistant helps them figure out where to get good healthy food and the easiest way to get to and from somewhere then that just takes that off their plate and they focus on being great at what they do and so it's things like that that have previously been sort of out of the budget that we hope our investment and our time and our connections make better and if that's the difference that puts us over the top after getting so close so many times wouldn't that be wouldn't that be nice but I mean I think also some really good young talent 
that means that maybe we're not quite as top heavy with those great players that we also have all the rest of the of the of the roster kind of stacked let's take a quick break from our interview with sarah spain and i'll ask you a question do you ever want to watch spain's la liga and france's Ligue 1, currently the best title races in europe and get frustrated because they're not available on your cable or satellite system you should try a streaming service I use that I love. It's called Fanatis with a Z, and you can watch all the action from La Liga, Ligon, and other international leagues and tournaments live and on demand from your favorite device, whether it's a mobile phone, a tablet, or directly on your TV with the Fanatis app. You can also watch the top leagues from Turkey, Brazil, and Argentina. Fanatis features channels you know, like BN Sports and English and Spanish, Gold TV, and many more, and it costs as little as $7.99 a month. If you'd like to try Fanatis for yourself, you can get a free week-long trial by clicking on the link in the episode description or by going to fntz.co slash grant fz. One more time, that's fntz.co slash grant hyphen fz. Thank you very much to Fanatis for sponsoring this episode. Fanatis, the world's largest stadium. Now, the league as a whole, and I watch this league closely, they, the league doesn't really have sort of a Mark Cuban owner equivalent yet. Uh, Merritt Paulson, maybe a little bit uh, up in Portland, Um likes to to stir things up. Could you be that person? I've been joking that I'm going to be the Roger Dorn of owners, <laughs> where I just insert myself in Julie Ertz's position, and I'm like, take a seat. I'm going to be playing and running this team. Um, I don't think I have, as surprising as this may sound to those who see me on Around the Horn debating and, and bringing the moxie, I don't know if I have the constitution to be the Mark Cuban of the league. Um I, I'm a little bit too nice for that. Not that I, I'm, I'm acquaintances with Mark. He's very nice, but he's also, he does not mind ruffling feathers. I'm a little bit True. less of a feather ruffler than he is. Um, but I do have quite a mouth on me and I do have very strong opinions. So, uh, but one thing I will say is I know what I know and I admit what I don't know. And so early on, especially my focus for the team is where can I help with the things that I know and what else can I let other people take care of that, you know, is their forte because I'm in the meetings and it feels like a little mini business school because none of my <laughs> jobs have involved having to do the business side of things. So I'm looking at, you know, what's our, what's our, you know, uh, contract with the stadium? What's our percentage of concessions? How are we wanting our merch and what are we doing? And so all of that stuff is sort of like just downloading a ton of information. So until I know more, I can't quite be the Mark Cuban, but I'm working on it. Well, you know, it's interesting. For one thing, the merch is something that the Red Stars have always had some of the best shirts, kits in the league. And so whatever they've been doing there, keep doing that. Um, now, sure. I know that you've been very careful about saying publicly that you're, you know, you're going to remain in media and it's not going to be a conflict with what you're doing. But it is a little like interesting, like you could say something as an opinionated journalist on a show somewhere that would 
make perfect sense for you to say that that could also, like Mark Cuban, get you fined by the league. How soon is this going to happen, I guess, is my question. Yeah. Yeah. I Gosh, I've added another entity that I could be fined or suspended by. Why did I do that? I already have to look out for Mickey. Um, you know what's funny, and this is going to sound terrible for me to admit, but as of right now, at least, I am not smart or deceptive enough to manipulate the behind the scenes of the NWSL with my journalism. But hopefully eventually I won't do it, but I will be smart and deceptive enough to know how I could do it. But it's funny because people are asking, you know, what if I'm, you know, saying something publicly in order to, and I'm like, I don't know enough about how things work yet to even remotely come close to doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, it. it's absolutely something I have to be very careful with. And I've said this before, like, I couldn't do this if it was an NFL team, not because there's no way I could afford to be a part owner of an NFL team, (laughs) but also because it's such a dominant part of my job and so much of what we discuss at ESPN. The NWSL most often has come up when I voluntarily, pre to ever having any conversations with being an owner, have brought it up and told people how awesome it is and that they should be watching, right? Um, So it's not a it's not something that's going to come into my space regularly. It is something, of course, I'm going to continue talking about the same way that I want to talk about WNBA or women's tennis or anything else that I'm into. Um, but there, but for, for sure, disclosure is important. And fairness and accuracy is already the thing that has led me when it comes to like the Homer stuff. Because in journalism, it used to be you had to hide that or not have any affiliations. I've never been a beat reporter at ESPN. So I've it's always been, please be open with what you care about. That's what fans want is someone who's passionate and connected and not, you know, completely divorced from it because they've been in the business so long. So the same thing that leads me when I'm talking about my Chicago teams that I don't own um, is going to lead me in this one where it's about being fair and accurate. And would I say this about another team and I need to say it about my own then. Here's a question that I, I gave to an interviewee a couple of weeks ago. I'd love to hear your take as a mainstream sports journalist. Do you think we'll ever get soccer, women's soccer, men's soccer, to be discussed regularly on sports debate shows by people like Stephen A. Smith or Colin Coward? You know, it's interesting because it feels like if you had asked this question about something like UFC years ago, the answer would be, of course not. This is a fringe, like, battle of, of you know, like, these big scale. Like, this started as street fighting, and it's barely, you know, regulated. And now it's huge. Um so I don't want to say never, um, because there's also things like boxing that used to be the main thing, and now they are sort of not not talked about nearly as much. Um, soccer is an interesting one because it has been the thing we've been promised is the next big thing <laughs> for like 50 years. Does that mean it never could be? No, it's, it's certainly growing. Um, one thing that's almost interesting about the things that really make it big on first take or or places like that is the drama Mm -hmm. so the people talking about it need to know the sport itself which is the first barrier right to understand when they're watching soccer whether they can tell whether someone is great or whether the decisions being made are good and if you can't and and 
you can't make a strong opinion about it, that's tough, right? Right. Um, to say whether that manager should have done this or that, or that player should have done this or that. But beyond that is also, what are the stakes for the people involved and how are they connected? Whether that's the team they used to play for or the celebrity wife that they just divorced or the coach that they used to fight with, right? It's the drama. And that drives a lot of narratives when people don't have specifics on the X's and O's to discuss. And so a lot of those are barriers for soccer right now. Um, I always say that with women's sports breaking through for some of the debate shows and the everyday shows is they need to know the stakes. They need to know the people. They need to know the stories. And if they don't, then the conversation's pretty flat. It's not going to be as interesting and it's harder to convince them to get into it. Um, so we have to present those more and we have to, you know, make make it more multidimensional. So it's not just a, well, the U.S. Women's National Team won again. Let's either show them winning and saying it's great or let's complain about whether they celebrated too much and tried too hard in the frickin World Cup <laughs> against other teams <laughs> that qualified for the World Cup. Should they? Put the brakes on and not score a World Cup goal because we should feel sorry for other countries. Get the hell out of here. But then that's what we end up talking about because it's something people feel comfortable, even though they don't really know what they're talking about, more so than, you know, breaking down whether they should change strategy. So that's that. It's the same with hockey, though. I mean, hockey right. was considered, quote unquote, one of the big four of men's sports. And because ESPN didn't have the rights to it for so long, now it's coming back. It will be interesting to see. It's about applying yourself. It's like that with everything. And that's what I bitch about at the company, because if we're expected to speak on everything and know everything, then if you get a story about Sabrina Ionescu doing amazing things, then don't call her Sabrina Ionescu. Yeah. That doesn't take much work to figure out. And we could tell you don't care about and you don't feel worried that people will criticize you for that the same way they would criticize you for not knowing an important player in the men's game. You have to care as much about that part of your job as the other ones that come more naturally. And that's that's a hurdle. We're winding down here with Sarah Spain. Really appreciate you taking this much time. Um, how much are you going to be involved in the day to day around this team? So we've been having weekly meetings via Zoom for about three and a half months now. Um, there's probably eight or so of us who are on every single week without fail. And then there's the other eight or so in the group that are in and out depending on their schedules. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. they're any less involved. It's just probably Fridays at 3 p.m. aren't aren't the right time. Um Colleen Mayers, who's Chance the Rapper's agent, uh, manager and is in the music industry, is one of the owners. She described us as an octopus, and I think that was right. Right, Like some people's arm is going to go over to merch. Some people are going to be game day experience like her with you know entertainers and is there a concert before or after the game or something cool. Some people are more into the tech world. How do we update the app that we're using and the in-game experience and ordering from your seat? And then um, I obviously am, uh, you know, the mouth of the team. So that's a good role for me. Um, and then sponsors. I've worked so much in women's sports around the SPNW work I do in the SPNW Summit that it's me reaching out to those places and say, I know you've worked with these before. Are you interested? Or companies in Chicago that I have connections to. Hey, come take a meeting with us and talk about sponsorships for the Red Stars. So um, again, I think it's applying to what you know. Um, Brian Walsh's family is, you know, one of the wealthiest construction companies in the country. He's coming in and looking at the stadium. Where can we make updates? Where can we make sure that we're making the best optimal, you know, experience for fans? Um, so so far, some of us have been very involved. 
regularly. And then we'll see once the season starts if that slows down a little. Once we get everything set for the season in terms of jersey sponsors and LED screens, who's sponsoring this part and this thing, um, and ownership, right? There's still a little bit of – we left open some of the ownership stakes so that okay. when the announcement came out, if someone really thrilling came around and said, "Oh, I would have been interested, well, you're in luck because we're still – you know what I mean? But we don't want that lingering forever because there needs to be focus on the actual games and, and winning, as you mentioned, the title that we've been looking to get. Last question for you. What are you most excited about? with the season ahead? I just think it feels like we've been rehearsing a play for about six months and we finally get to put it on a stage and I want to see if all of the conversation around owners and expansion teams and everything um, and building off last year the Challenge Cup that had a 400% increase in ratings on TV and these sponsors that got on board and this interest in something, which I think was actually emerging sports were helped by the change in schedule. I think people who got used to like the NBA or the NFL or the Masters coming to them around the time that they always expected it, mm-hmm. it made them ratings go down. They had to go looking for it. It didn't feel right. Things that they hadn't given a shot to before, like WNBA and NWSL, ratings were up big because right. it was like, oh, I haven't seen this. Everything's different let me check it out oh this is great right so i think it actually helped so it does feel like i want this opening night of a play and i want to see all of the pieces that have been put together so far and and really hope that we come out with a bang and people love the product and get on board i just love the people in my mentions that are like well i just bought my first red star shirt if this is your team i'm in and it's like some random guy from like tennessee and he's gonna be rocking i'm like yes this is this is what we want so um yeah i'm and you know uh, the Red Stars are playing in Louisville um, as part of one of those international tournaments. A couple teams from Europe coming over. Um, mm-hmm. It happens to be my birthday weekend. So that is going to be like me just using my ownership to tell all my friends, all right, we're going to Louisville. Everyone, <laughs> pe- get your flights. It's like a 45-minute flight. We're going to go down. We're going to go to some Red Stars games. And then we're going to hit some distilleries and make a weekend out of it. And like turning it into the thing that I always want, which is women's sports as a destination fun event that you would think to go to the same way you would think, let's go to a Cubs game or let's take my company to a Blackhawks game, come to a Red Stars game, make it a party and let everyone see how great it is. Sarah Spain's Chicago Red Stars face the Houston Dash on April 9th in the opening game of the NWSL Challenge Cup. Sarah, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Sarah Spain as well as producer Chris Whittingham. If you like the podcast, you could do me a huge favor and hit that subscribe button and provide a rating and a review. I'm back soon with another interview of someone from the soccer world. Be safe, everyone. See you next time. 